0: The show begins. Hello, everyone. This is Eric Pennington with the Spirit of EQ, and welcome to the Spirit of EQ podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, Dr. Holly Custard. Deputy Director of Institute Partnerships and Outreach at Strata Educational
1: Network. Life is a journey. Spirit of EQ helps shape and guide the road ahead for individuals, leaders, teams and organizations striving to realize their full potential through emotional intelligence. Spirit of EQ is a coaching and consulting company that assists individuals and businesses to reach their full potential by developing emotional intelligence. In business, managers and leaders recognize the value of training to develop leadership skills. What they may not realize is that those skills are far more effective when they pay attention to not only performance, but also to people. Emotional intelligence is a crucial skill because people drive performance and emotions drive people. After this podcast, listen for a special opportunity to learn more. Jeff East, my usual co-host and partner in crime,
0: is not with us today. He's out ill and on the recovery men, so I will be flying solos. So without further ado, Holly, are you on
2: I'm here. I'm here. How are you?
0: <laughs> hey. hey, doing great. Great. It's great to hear your voice. I told you before the show that I'm usually really bad at butchering titles and all that good stuff. But I think, Holly, I might have reached a new level of expertise because I don't
2: think I butchered yours. Did I? You didn't, although <laughs> it is Strata Education Network, which is very close <laughs> to what you said. Everything okay. else was perfect.
0: <laughs> All right. So with that, uh, the street continues. Our producer, Brett, knows that. So um, I appreciate your, uh, your grace. So um, I'm really excited to talk with you today because um, we met back in January of this year and uh, that was for the Rise Collaborative, if I'm remembering that right. Is that That's mm-hmm. when we met, yep. right?
2: That's right. And
0: uh, we had a great conversation over dinner and then the following day for the actual event. And we're always uh, looking for interesting conversational people to be on the podcast. And um, I thought right after that, I said, you know what, I, I got to reach out to her and see if she has some interest. So I'm really, really appreciative of you being here today.
2: Oh, I'm so happy to be a part of it. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Absolutely. So one thing is very clear, Holly, and I know you know this, uh, the world is a lot different than it was back in January, right?
2: I know. Well, you mentioned January and I'm thinking, gosh, (laughs) that seems like eons ago, (laughs) but it wasn't ago, but it sure seems like it.
0: Yeah, and uh, obviously, uh, it's not for the better. However, you know, me being the optimist, I know you're an optimist too, Holly. Uh, it's kind of navigating in a new world that's not to our liking. But um, it's certainly I think the timing of, of this uh, podcast uh, will be good for our listeners as, as we kind of talk about what work might look like in the future. Uh, though I, I know you, neither you nor I know for sure, but there's probably some things that leap out, and I really want to get your insights on that. So, uh, so with that, um, could you tell our audience a little bit about what uh, work, uh, what kind of work you do at Strata and the mission, maybe that Strata has uh, as sure. it relates?
2: Yeah. So I'll start out. You know, the the mission across Strata is really to improve lives by creating clear and more purposeful pathways between education and employment. So that is our mission. And Strata is just such an amazing place. And if you wouldn't mind, I'll kind of paint the picture of everything that we do at Strata because it's it's really special and I think unique. Um, Do I, can I have just a minute to kind of- Oh, please. Paint a picture? It's a little long, but I think it's worth it. (laughs) All All right, go ahead. Okay, well, so Strat Education Network is a nonprofit social impact organization, and so you know across all of our uh, functions, um, you know, we really strive to just hit the the values of of the, the mission. All of us, whether it's accounting and finance, or human resources, our legal team, IT, marketing, communications, all of us are driven around these these values and this mission, and we have specific teams within the organization then that are kind of externally focused on national engagement. So we're all focused on trying to help inform and engage lots of different stakeholders um, so that we can maximize our impact collectively. So this kind of national engagement team includes my team, which is the Institute for the Future of Work, and then we have a Center for Consumer Insights, we have a state engagement team. We have a philanthropy te- uh, team focused on giving and we have a strategic investment team. So all of us together <laughs> make hmm. up Strata Education Network. Um, hmm. But we also have a set of affiliate organizations, which a lot of people, you know, they may or may not know that we're all connected. So I just wanna kind of lay it out because it'll help give the full picture of everything that we're doing. Yeah. Um, but, but MC is a labor market analytics firm that's part of our network. And CALE, which is the Council for Adult and Experiential uh, Learning, that's part of our group, as well as Education at Work, which is focused on helping college students, um, you know, get work for, develop workforce skills and jobs while they're working on their degrees. And then we have InsideTrack, which is focused on coaching and student success. DexterA, which is a member-driven consortium that really works with large institutions and multi-stakeholder ecosystems to optimize digital integrations. That help drive student success. And then the lastly, we've got Road Trip Nation, which a lot of folks are probably familiar with their PBS documentary series and film specials that help people explore and discover career options. Um, they also have lots of digital resources for individuals and educators too. But that that's our that's our whole group. And you can kind of see that um, you know learner success, student success is kind of at the core. Of everything that all of us do, and again, it's really focused on helping create stronger connections between education and work. So I hope that is helpful. I, <laughs> I love telling people about Strata because I think I think we are a very unique group.
0: Well, that's wonderful because it and it does, um, and and I, there's a couple of things that kind of rang a bell for me as you were uh, um, out um, painting that picture, um, and that is. Um, the students are not just like what some might imagine as in young uh, teenagers, you know, um, I'm probably butchering it, but th- this includes adult learners too, right?
2: Yeah, that's right. In fact, you know, with my team at the Institute for the Future of Work, our research has really been focused on understanding the changing nature of work, right? So that from that, mm-hmm. we can understand how to design and create a new learning ecosystem of the future, which we say is now and even more urgently now <laughs> than ever. Um, but we really are looking at people who are in the workforce now
1: mm-hmm. who
2: have to navigate transition. So, I mean, when you think about, All of us have been through work transitions right (laughs) so whether whether it's a forced situation or whether it's a a choice it's never easy to be between jobs because it you know if you're in the best case scenario and you have a, a degree and you have a professional network and you have a strong kind of Professional background those things are obviously really helpful in getting you to navigate to the next step even though it's painful, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, it's never easy. It's it always uh, you know feels isolating and and frustrating and a little bit scary, but at the Institute, we're really looking at those folks who don't have a degree and Aren't making a you know a living wage. They're just not thriving in their jobs and oftentimes mm-hmm. Working three or four different jobs, still not being able to pay the bills, juggling mm-hmm. raising children, sometimes taking care of elderly or sick sick family members, all at the same time. So then, you try to imagine, um, you know, those folks in those in that situation, and having to navigate getting to the next job, realizing that you need to have education likely to get into that job, but knowing that you can't drop all of these responsibilities and competing priorities in your life to go after education. So then you're stuck. You know, So many folks are just stuck in this space of wanting to get ahead and you can't. So we're really looking, spending a lot of time at the Institute, um, understanding and learning about um, you know, what it's like to be part of that group with the hope that we can learn together, what is it that we need to, what barriers do we need to remove and what mm-hmm. kinds of you know, resources and supports and services need to be put into place to help people make progress in their life despite all of those challenges. So that's been yeah.
0: Yeah. our area
2: of research.
0: So uh, Holly, I mean, that kind of goes to something that obviously we're right in the midst of, even though you know, coronavirus is just that, its a, it's a health thing. It's obviously placed a tremendous amount of pressure on the employment situation so in light of that um my gosh i think i'm thinking to myself you, you guys have got to be in the mode of there's going to be a flood coming yeah know? i
2: mean we already felt like uh, you know the the whole team and and the whole you know company is just always we feel this urgency to help make a better system to make this easier you know navigating work and learning should be so much easier so we we already feel like it's urgent but now we're all just you know <laughs> it's like we we can't move fast enough you know we're, we're we're all constantly thinking and talking about yeah the urgency of what we need to be to be doing and you know for us um, at the institute we had you know we we developed a, a guiding set of principles around Mm -hmm. what we're calling a new learning ecosystem, or it could be new learning ecosystems. Because when I explain this, you know, the way we think about this is in order for all of us, like all the millions of people who were already being left behind by the system, now we've got millions and millions more post COVID-19. So it's gonna take a lot of organizations and individuals across All kinds of communities, whether it's an institution that's focused on serving adult, you know, working adults or whether it's, um, you know, a a small community or a large city or a region or a state like this ecosystem could be coming from all different directions. (laughs) But the point Mm -hmm. is that it's going to require a lot of different people coming together and maybe working together in ways that they haven't in the past in service of all of these working learners, these working adults who are going to have to be navigating into new jobs. How can we make sure that these are the right jobs and that they're good jobs and that there's a a pathway for thriving for people? So we really believe we need to have this, you know, there are these guiding principles that make up this new learning ecosystem But we all know in our minds, right? Ecosystems can mean lots of different things. (laughs) But it's a lot of people kind of coming together to work together differently and design this new learning ecosystem based on working learners. So there's five components to this, five principles. And I'm just gonna say them really quick because I think it'll help give some context for what we're talking about. Because Mm -hmm, when you think about those navigation points we talked about earlier, like when we're all stuck in that yucky space of (laughs) feeling isolated and scared and alone between navigating jobs, um, we don't have a system that's been designed For us uh, as adults, right? To make this navigate, you're kind of on your own. Maybe by the time you graduate high school and you're 18 to 24, there's a system. It's not perfect and it doesn't work great for everyone, but there is a system Mm -hmm. designed for that group. But once you're out of high school and in the working world, or once you've graduated from college, you're in the working world, you're pretty much on your own to figure things out. Yeah. Life is changing so quickly, and jobs, you know, with technology and automation, the jobs that are available, the types of jobs that we have to do, how we do our jobs, all these things are changing so quickly. And it's hard enough to keep up with the changes to let, let alone know like what do I know and not know you know, in terms of what jobs are out there and how do I know if I'm a good fit for a job and how do I find out if I'm going to have the right skills that an employer's gonna pay attention to me. you know? Mm-hmm. So we need to design a system that helps all of us navigate these transitions because now it's what, like an average of 11 transitions in a, a different work uh, transition. So we're gonna be living longer, things are gonna be changing even faster. So you can imagine, you know, I don't know, maybe 30 transitions <laughs> in a lifetime. So mm, wouldn't it be yeah. great if we had a system that was designed for us to get what we need when we need it so we can get into a job that we can really thrive in? That's our goal. <laughs> so, yeah. We, we think it needs to be a navigable system, right? We have to be able to help give people better information that we, can guide us through complex systems. And we need better assessments that are linked to all of these things so that we can get better insight into ourselves and what our strengths and our skills are, what our experiences have been, and understand how to translate that and make sense of it into a new job. And we need this ecosystem to also be supportive. We have to have wraparound supports, right? We're whole people, and we have lots of uh, challenges that face us, and we really need mm-hmm. help with these things. We can't do the, we can't, we can't overcome a lot of these barriers by ourselves. And oftentimes, it's not really clear what resources are available. So, for adults to be able to overcome hurdles and manage all of the commitments and the competing priorities, we have to have better wraparound supports that really help working learners from when they first get started with their job all the way through to transitioning into a new career. And the third one is that it needs to be targeted. We have to have targeted education that's tailored to the needs of the folks trying to get into a better job. So they need the right skills, they need the right path at the right time. So it has to be very targeted, has to be precise and relevant learning so that Mm -hmm. we're building the skills that we need uh, both from kind of a human perspective and a technical perspective. Probably not a degree all the time <laughs> because uh, yeah. Yeah. unless it's designed around adults, right? So we need a new way of thinking about what education is and how it works for our working learners. We need to have the system to be integrated. So we can't put education um, or our families in con- conflict with one another. We have to find a way that we can juggle education and training on top of everything else that we do. So we talk about the need to really integrate earning while learning, we have to be able to reduce the friction that stands between education and work so that we can make advancement uh, more quickly. And then the last one is transparent, we need the system to be transparent so that we can have a more open, unbiased and fair kind of hiring process, because the transparent hiring can reduce the credential bias, um, and Mm -hmm. help companies, right, like find the people who may have the skills and the talent and the interest to have a job, but they may not have a degree, which a lot of the, you know, the systems now for hiring, you know, if you get filtered out, if you don't have a degree, that's the first proxy to signaling if you're ready for a job, but that's not necessarily the best way of uh, doing this. (laughs) So so we think that hiring is a a big part of that. So all five of those principles make up the new learning ecosystem framework that my team and I have been working on uh, and with the rest of the you know the organization, so we feel that's really important, and we hope that that framework is a way to galvanize stakeholders to understand really you know you know you and I Eric at, at dinner we talked about this extensively, but you know we've been talking to um, these working learners for the last year to understand from their perspective what is it like to be in your shoes, you know help us understand. Um, what your circumstances are and what your motivations for working are and what barriers are stopping you from going where you want to go and what supports do you think you might need or what supports have you gotten in the past that have helped you overcome those hurdles? Like we believe that it's so important. I mean, that's really the, all of those conversations, you know, hundreds of hours of conversations with people across the country who don't have a college degree and aren't earning a living wage. They've helped inform the framework, and we really hope that people can use this framework uh, to galvanize stakeholders to design a system for them. Because if it works for the most vulnerable parts of our society, it's going to work for everybody. <laughs> so that is our yeah. that is our hope, but I, I think that's what you are getting.
0: Yes. Getting and, <laughs> and you, Yeah, it, it was, and that's, that's great. Thank you for uh, sort of painting that picture. I guess I'm thinking also, how's the uh, embrace from uh, the corporate sector? Uh, Are they on board from what your experience has been so far?
2: Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. There's so many different parts and pieces to the the story and to the research. But I think what's really at the core of what you're asking is, I, I guess I would have to say, Yes and no. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of a lot of the things that we're hearing now and that we're talking about and excited to be talking about is skills. So um, employers are talking more and more about skills and how do we get how do we know (laughs) whether these are folks inside an organization or external to an organization? So leave me back if I don't answer your question exactly right. But if we're not talking about skills, um, then we're using these very vague like job descriptions to to get a job with a requirement of having a degree to get in the job. That is setting us up for uh, a bias in how we might uh, what kinds of talent pools that might be considered, for example. But if we can yes. get more clear about what types of skills are required for very specific jobs, it opens it opens up our opportunities. So we think it's really important, you know, in the in it's been in the past kind of this constant conflict between education, which doesn't really talk about skills and employers saying that education's not really supplying <laughs> people with the right skills for a job. Right. So we're trying to unpack and link up um how we talk about jobs and what's required in jobs and how we can use skills based on reality of today. And this today is constantly changing because the work is constantly changing. So that's where yeah. that transparency in communicating and hiring comes into play. So I say all of that because I think there's a lot of effort going um, in right now on to understanding from the education standpoint, people are trying to better understand how skills can be more transparent from an educational experience and how that can be linked to jobs. Um, and and on concurrently working with employers to understand what are the specific skills? Like, let's not just take and repackage that same job description that's been parsed out <laughs> year after year. Um, let's really think about what are the skills that are needed. When somebody says communication skills, for example, Communication skills will look and feel different if you go into something like behavioral health versus marketing or communication mm-hmm. skills in HR versus public policy. So we're not really used to talking about, these are the specific skills you're gonna need in this role and here's why, <laughs> and here's how you can get them and here's how they're gonna apply you know, to this work mm-hmm. and here's how we're gonna be able to evaluate if you have these skills or not. And if you don't have these skills, How can we get them in a targeted way that meets you where you are? Because you may have acquired skills from multiple past job or life experiences, but you may or may not know how to package up those skills so that it's connecting to an employer because you may not be, you know, it's not always top of mind how to translate past experiences we may have had. into how it might apply to an employer. So it's just this dance, you know, between the the learner and the educator and the employer, we all have to start talking, speaking the same language. And we think that really focusing in on skills is what's gonna help us all get aligned so that we know what's required for a given job. And we know where we sit in terms of our skills, strengths and skills gaps. And then we know where we can go to fill in that skills gap and then be able to explain that to an employer very quickly. I know how to do these things and here's how I'm going to prove it to you. And here's how I'm going to be endorsed for what I know. Like all of these pieces are disparate right now. And there is no system that helps an employer or an employee kind of de-risk a situation, right? Like, am I the right fit for this job? The employer has to know that, and the employee needs to know that too, but we don't have a lot of ways to, besides the traditional resume based approach, um, it's hard. <laughs> and so if you think about yeah. taking you know, a degree out as a proxy for being ready for a job, then how do we design a system that helps create stronger and clearer communication between all of us? So for an ecosystem to work, it's gonna have to have an integrated data system where people are sharing key information with one another, all the different stakeholder groups who are part of this, we have to be able to communicate that effectively through data systems and through the language of skills. So I think, you know, there's lots of different groups, universities kind of with the two and four year have been trying to figure out how to unpack programs and be more nimble and meeting the needs of employers. But it's hard to reinvent a system that's been in place for a long time. I think there's a lot of people trying. And I think, you know, within um, corporations and businesses, they're finding it hard to find and keep talent, um, you know, for for specific jobs, even though, you know, you have the irony of um, the low, you know, prior to COVID-19, we had the lowest rate of unemployment, Um, now we're in a completely different situation. Yeah. Uh, but the, the goal is to get people, giving people an opportunity to find the right fit and be given a fair chance at, at, at finding that fit. Um,
0: well, you know what's interesting, Holly, as you say that, and I, I'm, I'm certain I'd be the first to raise my hand to say, I wish we didn't have to deal with this COVID-19 thing at all. And I you know I, I have plenty of company with that. However, sometimes with disruption, right, there comes this uh, opportunity to rethink how we've done things historically and be open mm-hmm. to doing things differently, a la fill in the blank for Zoom, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Zoom <laughs> was is a platform that had about 20 million people, and it's now definitely over 100 million people using it. And mm-hmm. obviously not for just Business purposes. So, my hope in what you're saying is is that there's going to be this willingness to kind of go at it from your perspective and go, okay, granted, they don't have the credential that says they have these three words that we're looking for. We're open to another way of discovering whether or not they indeed have the skill, whether that skill was obtained because they worked at a company for 10 years and the Five years. Uh, hence, they they learn by apprenticeship or they learn by mentorship and coaching. Um, and what's interesting within that, from the employer perspective, and, and it's to our work of emotional intelligence, right? We can ask that employer. So, do you, would you think that it would be important for your candidates, your your current employees, to be emotionally intelligent? They would say in a heartbeat, "Oh, yes." And then when we ask the question, so how is that incorporated into your hiring process as it relates to skills and, you know, the things that you say are are what we desire. And there's typically at that point a pause. And it's not because they don't want it truly or they haven't really done the work and no one's probably come alongside them to do the work of here's what we mean when we say emotionally intelligent. Here, here are competencies that are housed inside of emotional intelligence. So obviously, uh, Holly, w- we're cheering you on because I think the work you're doing opens up the door to embrace those skills that I know to this point have probably been considered labeled soft skills, which is totally, <laughs> totally wrong because there's no harder skill <laughs> and emotional intelligence. It just, I know you know that, and I know you know that, Uh, but it's, it's interesting to me. Um, And, and again, thank you for kind of, uh, again, putting those, uh, connecting those dots. Um, So with that, um, when we look at uh, the skills that employers need and want, um, and, and obviously looking at the educational side, because you're bridging both, What's maybe one thing that you would say is let's let's be uh, let's stay in the land of optimism. What's one opportunity that you guys have identified, even if it was pre COVID nineteen, that makes you really excited about how the future could be really really good? Ecosystem, etc.
2: So one thing that I'm you know I think we're we're all really excited about is that we have I don't we have what we need to put in place what would help all of us. It's just a matter of paying attention and, and creating the right opportunities to talk with each other and strategize with each other collectively. You know, we've, we've worked for so long and I think this just happens. You, you start to work in these silos of excellence, you know, where everybody mm-hmm. gets really good at what they do with how a system works. And then it doesn't. (laughs) And so it's very hard. I guess what I'm excited about is that, you know, my optimistic side is that we're all going to be forced to look at the challenges in front of us. We can't deny what's in front of us. None of us can. And so I see this as an opportunity for us to break down silos and reach across, whether it's internal to an organization or whether it's. You know, partnering with organizations in a community that you normally wouldn't think of as a partner to help solve this problem. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm really excited about. I really am hopeful and excited that people will come together and will really put, you know, the working learner at the center of how do we move forward. What do we need to move forward, and what we need, you know, <laughs> is focused on designing a system that works for working learners, like, it, and if we can come around the working learner at the center and design with that person in the center, then it gets us out of our, um, our the mode of looking <laughs> at the way things have always been done, at the excellence in terms of how we do our jobs. It, it lets us, I guess, just reimagine how we can do things. And it gives us the license and I guess the liberty to try new things, talk to talk to people in new ways, mm-hmm. share yeah. data in ways that maybe we would have been afraid to in the past, try out uh, new types of technologies. You know, um, we just don't have time to be afraid and we don't have the luxury of working in silos anymore. So that's, that's really exciting to me. And I think, um, you know, like I said, I think we've got the technology, we've got the tools. Um, we just need to come together um, and get creative <laughs> and roll
0: up our sleeves. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So, Holly, I think this is a great opportunity to pivot to what life might look like, what work might look like post COVID nineteen. And when I when I say that, um, I realize that I know we're not going to wake up on May first and everything's better and it'll be just like it was this nightmare. And now it's all better. Now, uh, there are many, many out there, um, that would say this is maybe phase one and there could be a phase two. There could be, we won't do this anymore, but we may have to pause. I mean, all there's, there's variables. There has uh, strata and certainly to you directly, have you guys been talking about what things might look like from a work perspective uh, once we get back into maybe a more normalized routine, if you will?
2: Yeah. You know, it's, um, I think the work that Strata Education Network and the research of the Institute um, and our consumer insights groups, you know, it's just, it's never been more important. (laughs) Um, it's, It's always been important and urgent, but it's, It's just um, like I said before, we all are just feeling that we have to double down on working and collaborating with different stakeholder groups to create a better way forward. And the time really is now because we have no time to waste when that when we go back, as you say, to whatever semblance of normalcy that we can. In order to get people on track, I mean, I think. know the core word for me and I think really what drives a lot of the the work that we do is all about empathy you know like Mm -hmm. we really need to understand what's what is happening in people's lives and we really need to understand the inequities that you know that have always been there but are surfacing in such a way that they're just all right in front of us <laughs> and if we don't address this in a structural systematic way in a big way we're going to go back to old ways of doing things that you know will keep us back it'll keep our communities back and keep us back as individuals when we have an opportunity instead to actually make i think so much more progress if we can go about this um, in a new way. Um, And we're really being charged to do that. So, you know, for me, I think, again, I hate to beat this to death, but I think that it's a, it's a matter of um, really people coming together around the workers and the work, the working learners and figuring out how we create and invent new systems. And I think, you know, the first thing that's going to be, I guess I think what would help everybody get started is this whole point of navigation. You know, if if we don't have a clear line of sight into how employers are going to be bringing back on board, how they're going to be prioritizing the jobs and the skills that are required, we we have to find better ways of connecting that the clarity behind that to connecting the dots with with individuals you know there's organizations like goodwill that are doing amazing work and they've been um, you know working with organizations like indeed to do exactly this where they're saying all right let's see if there's a better way of figuring out how to talk about skills and connect the dots there's um, another organization called skillist um, you know looking at designing and developing a skills-based hiring platform. So there's lots of work right that's happening out there where different organizations um, and companies and businesses are trying to kind of crack the nut on how do we connect how do we get skills connected to skills people to 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 work get get educators to really target that education Um, that's missing for people to get them quickly into those jobs. You know, we just we don't have the luxury of, you know, having people stay out of work and get a two or four year degree. (laughs) That's just not going to happen. So we've got to, you know, utilize the technologies, uh, utilize the networks that we have strengthen those networks in order to get the skills language um, connected we really need a common language across the country where we can we're all speaking um, you know across industries across across jobs what it is that we need just um, to, to fill specific roles so i think that navigation piece in terms of helping people it's not you know right now i remember talking to a few folks when I, you know, I, I just, they, they were frustrated and they were talking about how long they'd been out of work and barely getting by. And I said, well, you know, what, do you know what you might want to do? And they're like, well, you know, they have vague ideas of what they might want to do, but they're not grounded in the reality of specific jobs that they have seen listed or, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, 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 I don't know how to describe it. It's, there's a disconnect in reality. <laughs> Uh, Where you have, you know, employers looking for like this dream person who has a zillion skills um, and credentials that just doesn't really exist. And on the other side, you have people who want to get great jobs, but they don't have a good sense of what that means. What are the great jobs? What skills does it require? And if you don't have understanding about, you know, you have to understand who you are and where your strengths and your interests are. And you have to know how that applies to real jobs, you know. And we don't really have good systems out there.
0: Yeah, and help you know, individuals
2: watch, navigate that.
0: <laughs> well, and Holly, you know, and it's kind of the the it's in our uh, sort of vernacular about, you know, emotions drive people, and people drive results, and those results can be really good or they can be really bad, and we see this on display uh, even before COVID nineteen, mm-hmm. and you know, helping people understand that the better you are at at managing your thoughts and emotions, the better your decisions will be, uh, which will turn to better results, whether that's in that job that you're shooting for for the first time or for an internal position that you may be wanting to transition to. And uh, my hope, at least on our end, and and we've talked about it um, a lot, is We're hoping that this post, again, whatever normal is gonna look like again, um, uh, COVID-19 world will be one where um, individuals and organizations will say, hey, we see that it is important. It's not just a talking point in a meeting or a sort of a lofty aspirational goal, but it's actually something practically that we really need to have in how we operate, mm-hmm. and and certainly getting to each individual to that is, is can can be challenging, right? Because you know they're they're out there on their own, and you know you can say, hey, there's a free webinar to learn about the you know the the beginnings and the new uh, side of emotional intelligence. So we've taken our opportunities toward reaching out and partnering with the organizations and and cascading it through their you know, workforce that way. Mm -hmm. Um, However, again, absent of that, you know, sometimes we get, we forget that, you know, yes, uh, we don't make these decisions in a vacuum. You know, Holly, if, if I come to that particular job that I think is a fit for me, but I still hold on to those sort of pessimistic thoughts, right? The ones that I picked up 20 years ago, um, you could say, well, Eric, you're not going to fix somebody who's pessimistic. And that, but that's not the that's not the goal. Our our goal is to let's examine and be curious about why are we pessimistic. Are we pessimistic because we have an actual reason to be, or are we pessimistic because a parent, a teacher, someone of influence twenty years ago said something that really, actually, they shouldn't have said, and it hurt.
2: Oh, yeah. You know, you know, I think that really sticks with you. I I, I I hear you on that. You know, talk to so many people exactly as you laid it out, saying, you know, I always wanted to go to college or, you know, I, I always wanted to go for a better job. But I'm just not a good whatever it is. Right. I'm not a good yeah. learner. I was never good in school. I'm not great with people, you know, because they what's interesting is is. So many folks who were not able to, um, you know, complete high school or to complete a degree, they have so many talents and experiences behind them, but they don't see any of that, and it's hard for them to see opportunity ahead in a new job yeah. yep. because they're so bogged down, as you say, in you know all of the baggage and the history and and old old ways of seeing themselves, but. You know, if we can find better ways, as you say, between employers and, um, you know, uh, wraparound services and organizations, um, you know, we have networks and networks of these organizations that, you know, with the right types of information and the right types of wraparound supports, um, you know, we can really work collaboratively to help people do that self reflection and build that self awareness so that once your house is all in order, your mental house and your yeah, your your yeah. you know your orientation, that opens your ability to say, oh, I think I would really enjoy that type of job. And then you have to do the hard work of saying, okay, let's figure out what skills you have and let's look at what skills that job requires. And then we're gonna figure out how to get you those missing pieces. That's where that targeted education comes in. But you're right, like you just can't without, without having that self-awareness and that ability to self-regulate all of the emotions in the history, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, it makes moving forward very, very difficult. And I've certainly, um, that has been the case for so many people that I've talked to. And I think now, especially the trauma of of COVID-19 is just um, everyone on the planet. (laughs) It's just crazy to say that, but everyone on the planet has gone through this shared trauma and at different levels um, in different ways, but we've gotta come back, I think with more humanness, you know, (laughs) more more focus on our human experience and how that has affected us and use it to our advantage of figuring out a better way forward, taking that into account.
0: Yeah. And, you know, Holly, I I say it from experience, too, um, which is is really important for me that, you know, sometimes these decisions we make are not always that front end. Will I get the job? Won't I get the job? Should I apply? Shouldn't I apply? But it also can be even if you've managed your career well up to this point on the on the face, right on the surface. It can also be, why are you going into executive management when you're really not interested in what that entails? Um, And are you able to really able, are you able to not only discern that, but to be okay with it? Because in my situation, I went into it because I thought I should because I I brought to the table history that said, this is what you do. And I'll never forget, um, I remember this one uh, individual that was in my work group and he was in a role and and he was was an East Coaster. So he was very clear that he would speak his mind no matter what. (laughs) (laughs) And um, we had gone through this, solving this problem within the group. And um, I, I was a creative, But I I tried to keep it down. And I remember him looking me in the eye one time in a meeting, just him and I one on one. And he said, You know, I just gotta ask you, what are you doing here? (laughs) I remember, I remember, Holly, it was almost I felt like someone had just like they had figured out my secret.
2: (laughs) It's like the world opens up and (laughs) quality. Yeah. And and he
0: said, Here's what I mean. It's like, you should be working at someplace like Google where, you know, they reward creativity and 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 new ways of thinking. You're you're not this kind. That's this place doesn't embrace that. <laughs> and you know what? I remember I didn't have many words for him because I felt exposed. But the reality is at that time I didn't I didn't know how to manage my thoughts and emotions to make better decisions, right? For me, it was, you know, my clues came from history. However, any person I think at this stage of, and we're in at the crucial stage, the better they are at understanding that that you know, as you said, the self-awareness, the self-knowledge, however you want to describe it, so that they can make the better decision, it's just going to make organizations work so much better. Absolutely,
2: I mean, you get the right people. Yeah in the yep. right place for themselves and for the company. I mean, it's a win-win <laughs> for everyone, for sure. Yeah.
0: Well, and you know what, Holly, you, you've heard it, right? There's, there's that aspirational thought or conversation that happens, you know, the employer says, oh, I wish we could just find people who would do this, or I wish we could find people who would embrace that. And the reality is, and, and I know vulnerability is, is tough, You know, I mean, that's not easy work, but I'm almost of the mind, uh, why don't we just start at vulnerability? Just say, you know what? I'm not so sure if our organization is, as it is currently constituted, ready to handle people who are emotionally intelligent or ready to handle someone who we know they have the skills and the talents, but they don't have credentials. And we just don't know how to make that work. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
2: It's like culturally, the company itself isn't prepared um, culturally to, to navigate that.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And and I and I, I get it. Um, if if your your pattern and culture has always been okay, first box to check is four year degree. Second box to check is uh, you know advanced degree. or or, or what have you. Um, And then in comes Holly, who has tons of experience, but does not have all of that. I mean, that can be a major, um, you know, sort of the, I don't know how I want to put it, you know, it's that major conflict of conscience, right? Mm Because, you know, she's the right person, but she doesn't fit the the box, if you
2: will. Mm-hmm. It's kind of um, that blind. Uh, the blind. I don't know if it's the silo of excellence thing, but it's the <laughs> the way things have always been done. Or right, like the yeah, the fear of being vulnerable and changing systems and and processes internally, um, changing the way human resources works. Or um, yeah, it's. <laughs> There are so many different levels of work that need to be done.
1: Yeah. But yeah.
2: putting people at the center of that, I mean, think about what's everything that's at stake and the losses <laughs> by not doing this. You know, I, <laughs> I think if we stay trapped in the, the old ways of thinking and just just being rigid in our systems because that's what's safe and that's what we've always known we just can't afford that, you know, as a country, and, yeah. Um, yeah, and businesses probably, can't afford that.
0: You're you're um you you're hitting on something there that I think is 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 really really big. I mean, have we come to that place now where it's no longer well? I can take it or leave it, or I can i I'm gonna wait on this for a bit. I mean, have have we come to that place? And I guess I'm being somewhat rhetorical. I don't want to put the kind of pressure to say, "Holly, are we?" <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, I guess part of me wonders: could it be that this major upheaval is now put us in a position where we're going, we're no longer going to just talk about it?
1: Mm-hmm. It's and, like
2: a major. Hopefully, it's a major shake-up and wake-up call, right? That yeah, we have the we have. The, This doesn't sound right, but we have the freedom to make a change because we have been forced (laughs) because we have been forced into it. And um, we have to choose wisely. And. I yeah, I really hope that, you know, if we think about human centered cultures, (laughs) you know, the bottom line will will come to fruition when people are working their best when they are in their best circumstances and so it takes it really takes all of us it takes the businesses employing mm-hmm. and and yeah. delivering and it takes the educators preparing and it takes the individuals um you know so we all have to be in it together <laughs> i know that sounds so cheesy but it's um
0: oh but it's so right i mean
1: it's I so mean- important
0: yeah. And Holly, I, I guess I think about it, too, from the perspective of um, and I'm going to use just the analogy of, of of the human body and mind. And, it, you know, a lot of people are, are talking about, obviously, the physical threat that COVID-19 is. Um, and I get that. I'm also looking at it through the lens of what this isolation uh, has done uh, to the mental health side of mm-hmm. it um yeah. the emotional side of it and my hope is certainly is that it's not going to do you know sort of the the deep damage and that people once they can again you fill in the blank of what the the normal will look like my hope is is that we're not going to get complacent mm-hmm. that we're not going to when everybody can go back and be in the arena and watch the game, or they can go back to the restaurants and it's just, you know, back to the freedom. My hope is that we're going to remember. Mm-hmm. That we're going to say, you know what? Um, hey, from a physical standpoint, if I want my immune system to help me when these viruses come around, I need to eat a better diet and I need to exercise. And it's no longer a I'll take it or leave it proposition. Mm-hmm. And that from the work perspective, You know what? I lost my job in like, you know, a matter of two days. Um, This stuff can change on me. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to fill in the blank and no more. Yeah, I might do that next year. I could do and I get it. Human behavior kind of tends to go toward the other direction. Right. Um, But I, I really hope that this one maybe has created the kind of disruption that, that it will put people in a very motivated place, and certainly selfishly for you and your organization, that you're going to get people reaching out saying, "Okay, no more talk. What do we need to do?" As as I look at it for our organization, that we we're embraced as, you know, what this is a vital part of of, of how this thing is going to work out going forward too. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: Well, I love what you said there, too, because I agree. I mean, one of the things I guess a couple of things that have have come to light, you know, is teletherapy and mental health, you know, so often people, we just don't talk about it as a society and we don't, it's not part of kind of the whole services that we receive as humans. It's, a, uh, you know, and I think that, that that's one thing that has really come to light. You know, everyone needs mental health support at some point in their life. And if we can normalize that, and, you know, it looks and feels different at different times in our life, but I think normalizing that support is absolutely essential, uh, you know, to moving forward. And, I think it's it's interesting. The other point that you made that I just couldn't agree with more is this, you know, we're going to be long life learners, right? <laughs> That's how we're talking about. Yeah. We're we're in this uh, for the long haul and, and it's uncertain. And and to your point, you know we don't, there is no security. (laughs) That's what this feels like when everything's been kind Mm -hmm. of taken under our feet, you know, it feels like there's Mm -hmm. no security. So how are we going to prepare our systems, prepare ourselves for being agile and nimble and kind of ready to take on what's next? You know, until we have these kind of interoperable systems and resources and services, we can't we can't be nimble and responsive. <laughs> so, you know, now is the time to to create that kind of infrastructure that can help us in this this future. Um, you know, that we just we don't know what things are going to be like exactly, but we know they're going to be different. <laughs> so, the more that we can prepare ourselves for uh, what we need going forward, the the better off we're going to be. The and next. you know what, Holly? I,
0: I call it, uh, I've been using this term a lot lately, optimistic urgency.
2: Mm-hmm. I and, like it.
0: And and to me, that that's how we get there, right? And, and I, I've had people tell me, oh, Eric, people are going to go back to doing what they've done before. They're not going to be, I just can't, you know, I may be totally wrong and maybe only a few will, but I'll take it for the few because- I, I, I mean, I really hate. It'd be different, Holly, if we were talking about. Well, Eric, until we find out all the inner workings of this virus and how it affects the immune system, we can't do it. <laughs> all right, that's complex. That's going to take a long time. It takes brilliant minds, way beyond me. Blah 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 blah. But that's not what we're talking about, Holly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, J.P. Morgan Chase or or. uh Boeing or Microsoft, these organizations are so far down the road of in, in their technology and their processes that they they can't say, whoa, this is beyond us. I don't think we could handle making a change. I, it, no, I, <laughs> that's not so. It's, mm-hmm. um, but hey, I want to transition a little bit. And as we kind of come close to uh to closing. And by the way, it, it is a closing because we're going to have you back because this has been a great conversation. I, and I really thank <laughs> you uh, coming on. Um, is there, a, a, I mean, I know there's the typical, Holly, you can give us the web address and you can give an email or whatever. If we have a listener or a group of listeners, an organization that tunes into our podcast that maybe really wants to, again, move maybe from a conversation to how can we How can we impact? What's the best way for them to connect with you and or uh, Strata?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, simply I'm on LinkedIn, number one. (laughs) So that's a great way to communicate. Um, But yeah, our strataeducation.org website has so many resources. You know, if there's different aspects of our conversation that have sparked an interest or a need of a listener, Um, You know, they can go to the site and they can link to all of the research from the Institute for the Consumer Insights um, research um, that has has come out that's just so timely. Uh, There's a public viewpoint on COVID-19 work and education survey that's gone out um, and it's weekly. And so you can kind of track the impact of the crisis through the voices of americans so that's a very interesting um you know piece that i'd point folks to and then of course all of our affiliates are are linked there so if you want to learn more about the different resources of the the organization um you can find it there i hope that's helpful but i think that's probably the fastest way
0: okay. all right wonderful as well as uh, everyone out there in the audience um we will have Uh, what Holly just described in our show notes. So you'll be able to do that. So don't worry if you haven't been able to write everything down. And certainly, um, Holly, I really, really appreciate you coming on today. And as I said, we're going to have you back because I I think we're going to have some interesting future days ahead. So we'll definitely want to to get your insights.
2: Yeah, that'd be wonderful. And wouldn't it be interesting to do a retrospective um, (laughs) to see if all of our dreams and wishes have uh, surfaced and are moving forward. (laughs) I think
0: think we have put our fingerprint uh, in the present for the future, right? (laughs) Exactly. All right. So everyone, thank you for tuning in to the Spirit of EQ podcast, and we look forward to our next time with you. Have a great day.
1: Thanks for subscribing and listening to the Spirit of EQ podcast with Jeff East and Eric Pennington. Spirit of EQ is a preferred partner of Six Seconds, the Emotional Intelligence Network. Six Seconds is a nonprofit organization researching what works in emotional intelligence. Best practices are shared through methods and tools that are global, scientific, and transformational. To find out more about Spirit of EQ or to request a speaker, go to spiritofeq.com. Our contact information is in the podcast show notes as well. And now for our special offer. Hi, this is Jeff again. I just want to let
0: everybody know that if you have any questions or want more information about anything we've talked about, just send me a quick email. And my email is Jeff at com, and I'll get right back with you. Thanks. Hi everyone, this is Eric Pennington with the Spirit of EQ. I'm not introducing a new episode today. I'm here to tell you some things that might help you. Jeff, you're with me as always. So yes. How do people get in touch with us? Well, the best way is just send us an email at info at spirit That's awesome. Jeff, I was also thinking about reviews and I'm notoriously bad at asking for them. So reviews on all the platforms, wherever you get your podcasts, yes. you think that'd be good? I think that would be great because one, that will help us learn how to make better ones. And it's always good for us so to we're, hear. We're not the perfect podcast hosts. We're close. Okay. But, All right. But, but not, still. Not totally. We want perfect. your feedback. We want your feedback.
1: But it it also might uh, let us know a new subject. Hey, we need to dig deeper into that. Yeah. So
0: let us know what you think. Cool. We really appreciate that. As always, too, there is social media: LinkedIn, Facebook, and we also have a YouTube channel. Those also have mechanisms or, or options for you to be able to leave a comment a like of those kind of things just want to make sure that you know how to get in touch with us right jeff right we appreciate you all thank you once again we really appreciate you tuning in today one of the things that jeff and i want to bring to your attention as well is that when we created this podcast it was not intended to take the place of a clinician In other words, if you find yourself in a place where there's something deeper going on or something that you cannot solve on your own, we do recommend that you reach out to a clinician of some sort. This podcast is purely opinion-based and it is rooted in the desire to help you along your path in whatever way we can. However, it is never going to replace nor should it ever be looked at as a replacement for clinical help in any way.